Look here, see, there's always a dumb horse race and some dame breaking a bottle over a ship and some chimpanzee riding a goddamn bicycle with pants on. <laughs> Why do you always say it as chimpanzee? <laughs> I feel like it fits the meter better. no meter, it's prose. Welcome to Fire the Canon, the podcast where we read the books in the Western canon and decide if they belong or not. Our opinions are objective. I'm your host, Jackie. I'm your other host, Rachel. And I'm their producer, Theo. Our producer. He's everyone's producer. <laughs> the producer of the people. So, this week, we are discussing The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. Unfortunately, or I guess it's fortunate, this is our second time recording the episode because our vibes were just all wrong last time. The book is a little bit depressing and it would not have been enjoyable to listen to. <laughs> but if you give us just a single one-time payment of $12.99, you can listen to that episode if you want. I'm not going to edit it, but yeah, you can have the four-hour unedited recording. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> it was four hours of, honestly, me and Rachel just arguing about the book and poor Theo sitting there. And it was depressing. It was so depressing. Yeah. It's depressing. It's a bummer of a read, but it's a great read. Well, spoilers. Isn't that spoilers, Theo? Why am I the arbiter of spoilers? <laughs> if we're disagreeing, you're the one who arbits. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I would say... It may have spoiled it, but the book may be very happy, and it may be a bad read. We don't know. See, that sort of rectifies the whole thing. Okay, sure. The Catcher in the Rye is kind of a classic book that people read in high school. The author, J.D. Salinger, was famously a recluse. He wrote a lot of short stories. In fact, before The Catcher in the Rye was published in 1951, I think he had written two short stories about or involving the main character, Holden Caulfield. He had the same name, but there were some details that were different about him. So it seems like he was just kind of working on this particular character for a few years before he figured out exactly what he wanted to do, to do with him. He was also a very interesting guy because didn't he never, ever, ever do any interviews, basically, Jackie? Yeah, he was very, very reclusive. So he also, this is a little bit of hot goss about Salinger. There was a biography published recently that said that he had only one testicle, and that was why he was a recluse. That was why he was a recluse? That's what it said? That's what the biography <laughs> said. <laughs> like he was embarrassed? He didn't want to be seen publicly with his one testicle? <laughs> I don't know, I guess. I haven't read it yet. <laughs> People aren't sure how many testicles he had, and even if he only had one, they don't know if that's why he was a recluse or not. Because he never did an interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, just some goss for you. Uh, would it be worse to have one testicle or three? For myself, or if I were someone born with testicles? <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Theo, how about you answer? Um, One or three. Pick. Well... <laughs> I don't know if I should say this in the podcast, but getting hit in the testicles really hurts. So the fewer you have, the better, probably. If you must have any, you're saying one is the best number. Yeah, I guess so. So you'd prefer <laughs> to have one. I don't want to experience the process of only having one, <laughs> but I do think, why not? Why not? Why do I have to have two? <laughs> Well, so maybe J.D. Salinger was more evolved than the rest of us. I mean, if he was just born that way. Who knows? I, maybe I should have read a little further on it, but I just saw one ball. That's plenty information for me. Anyway. Seems like a good time to talk about our Zoom names. As my Zoom name this week, I decided to call myself Ol' One Ball Salinger. I'm Ol' Hazel Weatherfield. My name was initially Curveball because I thought that uh, it was about baseball, but then they told me I had to add all to it so now i'm curveball mm -hmm. curveball <laughs> so as rachel discussed a minute ago this book is a heavy read i don't think it's a spoiler to say that it's kind of all throughout the narrative there are mentions of suicidal ideation there are mentions of 
bullying, sexual assault, just know that. And I don't know why you would let your children listen to this podcast to begin with because we say the F-bomb a lot. But if they're Not in that the room, much. The F-bomb. <laughs> you, Rachel. No. <laughs> Whoa. I'll probably bleep that one out. That one seemed kind of vile. Two-pointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's two-pointed. You're going to bleep it out. <laughs> so this is the one episode we can have kids listen to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So grab your kids and grab your pets. <laughs> Sit around the fire. So because those topics are in the book and they do recur and they're really important to talk about in order to understand the book. We will be talking about them, but we also will be inserting little palate cleansers throughout so that we'll just have some levity every once in a while. And we're going to be telling stories about ourselves in high school because this book is all about the high school psyche experience. And if you don't think you can handle listening to those subjects this week, come back next week. We'll be talking about Pride and Prejudice. Easy. Easy listening. Easy, breezy, beautiful Darcy. (laughs) It's a tagline for the book. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's the episode title. (laughs) All right. So The Catcher in the Rye is a couple hundred pages of pathos. And it starts out, if you really want to hear about it, the first thing you'll probably want to know is where I was born and what my lousy childhood was like and how my parents were occupied and all before they had me and all that David Copperfield kind of crap. But I don't feel like going into it if you want to know the truth. And then he talks for a couple hundred (laughs) more pages about his inner life and his family and his memory so that was a lie this book is told with a frame narrative the frame is holden 17 years old he tells us he's currently in some sort of institution where he's recovering from something but that he'll be released in a month and he says that his plan is to live with his older brother db out in hollywood So the plot of the book is basically him telling us a story of something that happened to him the previous year. The narrative opens, he is a student at a very fancy school called Pensy Prep, and he's being kicked out because he failed every single class except English, which he tells us over and over and over again. And he's having a bad day because he was the manager of the fencing team, and they all went into New York City And he left all of their swords on the subway. So they had to forfeit the match and everyone was being mean to him. (laughs) Could you imagine being the person who found all of those swords? (laughs) (laughs) What a day you would have. (laughs) Just what, like 15 swords in a bag? Would it be a great day? It would be a day for sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that might be a little scary. Like who needed this bag of all these swords? It's like it's either a high school fencing team or it's... Some pirates. A man with 100 arms. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or a woman, Theo. Sorry. Gotcha. Strike one for Theo. If he gets three, we get a new producer. He gets to be sexist three times in each episode. (laughs) All right, yes, women can have 100 arms too. (laughs) Women can be anything. Well, what a stereotype. Anyway, um, so Holden says that one teacher that he liked old Spencer, who's his history teacher, asked him to come speak with him before he gets kicked out. So he goes to old Spencer's house, he talks to the man's wife, and he has a conversation with the teacher. The whole time the man is having this serious conversation with him, he's basically just like thinking about how old he is and how bad he feels for him. So the teacher gives him advice and says, essentially, you need to start applying yourself, you're a smart kid, blah, blah, blah. And he reads him the essay that he wrote about the Egyptians and Holden is very upset and indignant about this because it's like a very stupid essay that I'm sure everyone has written at some point where you say like, the Egyptians were a people in ancient time. They built pyramids. No one knows why they did this, but blah, blah, blah. Like just very basic, useless knowledge. And at the bottom of the page, he writes a note that says like, hey, I know this is a really bad essay, so just go ahead and fail me. Like, don't feel bad about it. It's fine. It's good that you're going to give me a bad grade. If he had just put a little effort into the essay instead of into the note at the bottom of the page, could have been fine. Yeah, could have been fine. But he's very embarrassed and he says, like, what a rotten trick to play on a guy to read him his own essay. (laughs) Was it like a footnote? Every sentence that was bad, he put like a little one next to it, and then the one footnote was... Yeah, it just led to the same thing. Source, my ass. Just pulled it <laughs> nice. right out. Yeah. He leaves, he goes back to his dorm, and his annoying sweet mate, Ackley, comes into the room, has a conversation with him, and starts cut- like sitting in the middle of the floor and starts cutting his toenails. And Holden keeps asking him maybe five times, like, quit cutting your crummy toenails, I'm going to step on them, like... 
stop cutting your toenails, at least sit at the desk. And he eventually yells at him and the guy's like, oh, fine. Okay. All you had to do was tell me. And just like cuts his toenails at at this other guy's desk. The story is kind of like an amalgamation of high school and college because, you know, they're at a prep school. So they all live together in these dorms, just like most of us did in, in college. And so I feel like everybody has this memory of, you know, some sweet mate just kind of sauntering in and doing something weird in your room like that. But at one point, actually, um, if you remember, I was that sweet mate to someone. She was old Ackley. I was old Ackley to someone else. It's time for the segment of our podcast called Accidentally Ackley with Jackley. But it wasn't my fault. So this girl was confused. So it was, this was when <laughs> all right, we- All right, she's going to get the record straight now on the podcast. This week on Accidentally Ackley, I'm here to tell you the story. With Jackley. This week on Accidentally Ackley with Jackley, I'm here to- tell you the story of the time that Rachel and I, so when we met, we were roommates at this summer camp that we talked about that we all met at. We had a room that was attached to our sweet mate's room via the bathroom. So the sweet mates, I need to tell you about their hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Jackie sort of lists off the hair types of everyone in every story she tells. Theo usually cuts it out, but he's going to leave it in this time. (laughs) So at the time, I had long blonde hair. Rachel had very long, straight brown hair. One of our sweet mates had kind of shoulder length, like dirty blonde hair. And then the other sweet mate, this is the important one, had like thick, dark, very curly hair, which none of the rest of us had. Correct. I came into the bathroom one day and these girls had never spoken to us. They kind of didn't like us. I think they... No, the curly haired were... one liked us fine. She was fine. Yeah. But the, the, the dirty blonde shoulder hair girl, she was always kind of weird about us. I think she just thought we were strange and didn't really like and us very much. And to be fair, we were. But every we high were. schooler is strange. So she should have just yeah. gotten over it. We're strange in a totally harmless way. Yeah. I came in and there was a, a piece of paper, which I still have. It's I might post it on the Instagram, actually, if I can find it. Please. And tag her in it. say remember this (laughs) but anyway it was a piece of paper and on it was a big wet clump of extremely curly dark hair in pencil it was written is it so hard to pick up your hair lots of all caps and underlining and exclamation points so she heard us laughing and laughing and saying like it's not even our hair and we never interacted with her again after that. But I think we were Facebook friends. <laughs> I just think it's funny she left us a pile of wet hair. Like, come on, girl. Also, it, it wasn't ours. Obviously it wasn't. Right. I have very thin hair. Right. Mine just slides down the drain. No, I'm just kidding. I always deal with my own stuff. Hair. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> From Ackley's point of view in The Catcher in the Rye, you know, all of a sudden Holden just exploded at him. Mm-hmm. So maybe this girl had asked us five times and we just never noticed. Well, there's nothing we could have done. It wasn't ours. <laughs> Is it so hard to pick up my roommate's hair? <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should have left yeah. the note and like put the other girl's name on top or something. I don't know. Whatever. Okay. So anyway. Wait, wait, wait. But what? we're missing the most important description of Ackley. His teeth. That's oh, my favorite yes. part of the whole <laughs> yeah. book. The whole book that he didn't read. Alden doesn't really like Ackley that much. He finds him very annoying, but he likes messing with him. But he says the main problem with Ackley is that he never brushes his teeth and he describes them as mossy. <laughs> his skin has not improved, I'm sad to say. He says he talks like he's got a mouthful of mashed potatoes all the time. Oh, really? I'm trying to picture it. Theo's trying to move his mouth, imagining that he has a mouthful of mashed potatoes. He's never had that before, so he doesn't know what it would be like. Well, I take reasonable (laughs) bites of my mashed potatoes, so let's lay off. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We took it too far just then. So Holden's roommate's name is Ward Stradlater. His name was Ward Stradlater, not it was Ward Strad later on. Okay, Theo? I just kept thinking you were you were telling me like you'll meet this guy eventually like you'll meet Strad later. <laughs> you'll meet Strad later. <laughs> he goes to meet Strad later. <laughs> I got confused last time. We took like a five minute diversion because I was confused. <laughs> I thought... Now we cut it down to thirty seconds. Anyway, so Ward Strad later. Holden talks about how he's he thinks he's so hot and says like, but I have to admit he is. <laughs> he talks about how Ward thinks Ward is really hot. Yeah, and Ackley doesn't like Ward because. He thinks Ward doesn't like him, but actually Stradlater never really thinks about him at all. 
So Strad later gets back and he tells Holden, hey, I'm going out on a date tonight. Can I borrow your jacket? And Holden doesn't want to lend it to him because he says you're going to stretch it out with your shoulder muscles. Your big, broad, beautiful shoulders. Jackie, do you ship them? You ship Holden and Strad later? Ugh, no. Hmm. We'll see. This shipyard is closed. Okay. He tells him he's going on a date and it turns out the girl he's going out with is named Jane Gallagher and she is a kind of a childhood summer friend of Holden's. It takes a while to figure out that her name is Jane Gallagher because when Holden asks him who he's going out with, Ward Stradlater says, uh, I don't know, I think her name is Jean or something. Holden's real mad about that. But they figure it out. So anyway, throughout the book... Throughout the book, Holden comes very close to calling Jane Gallagher. He always wants to call Jane Gallagher, but every time he wants to call her, he comes up with some excuse for why not. Like, maybe she's not home from school yet, or maybe her grandmother will pick up, or maybe she doesn't want to hear from me or whatever. Like, there's always an excuse, but he really wants to talk to her. Uh, so Strad later says, I'll be out so late. Can you please do my English assignment? You have to just write a descriptive essay. And Holden... Doesn't really agree to do it, but he ends up doing it. So he agrees to do it even though, like, his roommate is going on a date with this girl that he would like to be dating himself. Instead, he's sitting back home and... He doesn't really agree. He keeps being like, maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't. Maybe I've got plans tonight, but he doesn't have plans. He's playing hard to get, but he does it because he secretly wants to. He writes a descriptive essay about his younger brother, Allie. Now, Allie had died of cancer a few years ago, and he had a baseball glove and he would just write lines of poetry that he thought were particularly beautiful on the baseball glove so that I guess he could just kind of read over them while he's sitting in the outfield. So it kind of is a book about baseball, Theo. Oh, curveball. Got it right, huh? Oh, curveball. So Stradlater gets back from the date and they have a fight because he tells him basically, why'd you write this essay about this stupid baseball glove? You never do anything right. And Holden gets mad because he asks if he, like, went all the way with Jane and Stradlater refuses to answer. So obviously Holden is very jealous, but doesn't admit it. He says something like, that's a professional secret, buddy. Professional? Yeah. <laughs> He's a professional secret keeper? <laughs> or a professional dater, I don't know. A professional dater is just an escort, right? <laughs> I don't think Ward's an escort. Not my business. So they have a fight, like a physical fight. Holden punches him and knows that he can't possibly win in a fight because he's very, very skinny. So Strad later punches him. His nose is bleeding and he decides like, I'm sick of this. I'm going to move out right now. So he gets his stuff together and he decides he's going to go back to New York City. He moves out, he gets all his stuff together, he gets on the train, and he meets this attractive older woman, who it turns out is the mother of a classmate of his who he doesn't really like at all. So he just strikes up this whole fake conversation with her, very Odysseus of him. Are you noticing a trend with uh, the... Protagonists? Yeah, does he like anybody in the school? Uh, he says, well, he liked uh, his teacher and the teacher's wife okay, it seemed. Except that he was old and had old legs. Yeah, except that he was old and had old legs. It would be weird if he was old and had young legs. <laughs> but he makes up a, a fake name for the mom and he tells her a made-up story about how everyone loved her son and wanted him to be the class president, but he was so humble that he wouldn't do it. And the mom is so happy to hear this story and he kind of tries to hit on her and ask her to get a cocktail with him. And of course she's like, oh, no, thank you. So that's that. Last time you said Holden can pass for being older than he is. Yeah, he's very tall. He says at times, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Like he is constantly trying to acquire alcohol throughout the book. And at least half the time they don't give him any. But he is very, very tall. He's very, very thin. And he says like on half of his head, he has some gray hairs. So there are times when people are like, show me some ID, buddy. And he just like turns and points to his head and says, look at these. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sir. Right this well, way. it usually doesn't work. <laughs> oh. My apologies, grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, you'll get the senior discount. <laughs> <laughs> but also the mom knows that he's not old because he says he's her son's classmate. Yeah. <laughs> the other funny thing about that scene is, um, you know, because he just like a Odysseus again he loves lying and at the end I think she says something like hey wait a second like the Pensy hasn't let out for Christmas mm -hmm. yet what are you doing going home so early and he says 
oh, I have to go and have a brain tumor removed, but don't worry, I'll be okay. Trying to get some sympathy. Yeah, it's totally fine. He he starts to worry because she gets nervous for him and he realizes he might have gone too far. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jackie, yeah. so at this point, Theo, if you can insert like a ding, 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 school bell like sound. class bell ring. Uh, ding-a-ling-a-ling. <laughs> ding-a-ling-a-ling. <laughs> so now Jackie's going to tell us a high school story. Ding, ding, ding. Here's a story about me. Actually, this was in middle school. What? Sorry. It's the only time I got in trouble. <laughs> okay. Wow, you blew it. You can pretend it's high school. I don't know. It's close. No, just tell the truth. You're no Odysseus. I will tell the truth completely. Um, I think it was like seventh grade. I got in very, very big trouble for inciting my fellow students to action. Uh-oh. Oh, we had what was like an education fair. So it was like a science fair, but you could choose to do <laughs> any subject and i had chosen to do in sixth grade literature or like english language arts or something and because there were only two people who decided to do that me and one other girl i won second place so i was like love that and then in seventh grade they said never mind we're not doing that anymore we're gonna do a science fair and i was pissed because i had done so well two out of two in the previous year and I started a petition to bring the education fair back and I wrote up this whole thing and I was so passionate about it and I was like they're trying to censor the arts and we need to have the opportunity to do all the projects that we want to do in any area and I passed around copies of this and I had friends give it to people in their classes and the problem was they passed it around and pretended it was like a sign-in sheet for attendance or something. So they got like hundreds of signatures on this thing that I created. (laughs) And then I turned it in and I got in so much trouble. I got like called out and my teacher told me that she had egg all over her face now because one of her students had done this thing and it made her look... What? But it doesn't sound bad. It made Well, it made her look really bad. And then another teacher <laughs> called me out of the room and like, you know, made me have a, a separate meeting with her. And it was like, I asked my students if they signed this. And several of them told me it is their signature, but they don't remember writing it. And she said, who did you work with? And I was like, I didn't work with Who did you work with? Yeah. Yeah. It was like this huge deal. And they were like, someone else must have helped you get these signatures. And I was like, I won't betray my friends. <laughs> and so I, I wouldn't. I was like, it was only me. And they were like, that's not true. And I was like, it was only me. Wait. And I never gave it up. This whole thing about them getting embarrassed because their student did this thing. Was the principal like, you, you're supposed to control them. Where were you? (laughs) To the teacher? Like, how how is it their fault? They acted like I had made a bomb threat or something like they were so angry and you literally just said like please bring back another nerdy extracurricular yeah i said i, I don't want to do a science project i want to do an english project that's it but it was all because i had won last year <sighs> but it was the only reason i won was because there were only two of us <laughs> doesn't sound like you won you got second first of all yeah. <laughs> or last <Also>. place <laughs> yeah. right right <laughs> you did it because you felt like entitled to a silver medal of some kind yeah exactly <laughs> so it was silly to do but it was really really silly how the adults like blew their tops over this so that's my story yeah and then everybody kind of looked at me after that like Like a bad that's the one that causes problems yeah wow (laughs) there goes the bad girl wow (laughs) that's hilarious ding 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 ding. that's my that's my getting in trouble story back to holden so he gets off the train and he decides he's going to make his way to a hotel to stay at for a few days because this is i think friday or saturday night right so everybody's on their dates and This is when he decides to leave school, but he's not supposed to be home until Wednesday of that next week. So he's got a few nights where he has to buy some time. He doesn't want to tell his parents he got kicked out. They're obviously going to find out eventually, but he doesn't want them to know right now. He wants to pretend everything's fine because he's been kicked out of lots of schools before, unfortunately. This is not his first time at the rodeo. So he gets into this cab and he says, take me to a hotel. And while they're driving, he says to the cab driver, hey, you know those ducks in Central Park? And the cab driver's like, yeah. And Holden says, well... Do you know where they go in the winter? Cab driver gets kind of mad. He's like, why would you ask me a stupid question like that? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I refuse to think about that question. (laughs) Why is he so mad? We don't know. (laughs) My father was a duck. (laughs) And he he flew out on us. We never saw him again. He went to go get cigarettes one night and he never flapped back home. Or waddled. (laughs) So, um... Holden is kind of restless. He's got all this energy and he decides he's going to call a girl that he has never spoken to himself before, but is like a friend of a friend. And he's heard that this girl is quote unquote easy. So he pulls out the number that he was given and it's like the middle of the night 
and calls her and her name is Faith Cavendish. And she picks up the phone and she's like, who the hell is this? Holden says, hello, I am a businessman here on business and I have some business I'd like to attend with you, if you know what I mean. He asks her to meet him out for a drink. She says no. She says, like, it's too late, but maybe I could do it tomorrow. And he's like, well, I won't be here tomorrow. My business is over. Oh, well. Yeah, and she says, well, I guess you're out of luck then. And then Holden immediately regrets it. And he's like, I should have just waited till tomorrow. Yeah. That wasn't a quote, right? He doesn't say I'm a busy, busy businessman. I'm doing business stuff. No, but he does say, like, I'm a businessman. I got your number from this guy. Who, and that guy goes to like an Ivy League school, so she's kind of thinking, oh, another Ivy man. Maybe I will go out with him, but not in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, at first she's like, what are you doing calling me? Then she thinks he's really impressive, and he's like, no, it must be tonight, but it doesn't work. So. And also it didn't have to be that night. <laughs> like He could have just done it the next night. <laughs> it didn't have to be, but he was impatient, and it didn't work out for him. So after that, he says, well, I couldn't get in with Faith Cavendish, so I'm going to go to a club. He goes to this club. He tries to get alcohol. He shows them how tall he is and all his gray hairs, but it doesn't work. Even though it's like 1951 in New York, you would think it might work, but it didn't. He's kind of obviously 16. So he sees these three women who are sitting at a table and he says, you know, he really, really, really wants to dance. Holden loves dancing more than anything. It's like one of the few things in the book he ever talks about liking. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's like the last thing I would expect him to like. He's also like quite judgy about how good women are at dancing even if they're not good he still enjoys dancing but he'll have something to say about it so he dances with all three of these women they're tourists from out of state and he doesn't like any of them he thinks they're ugly he thinks one of them is like a little less ugly than the others and she's also a fantastic dancer so just from that he almost falls in love with her even though he just like condescends to her a lot So then he's done dancing with the women and he decides to go to a club that he's been to several times with his older brother, DB. And the club is called Ernie's. So he goes to Ernie's and on the way there, he's in a cab and he decides, you know what? Second time's the charm. Maybe this cab driver will know where the ducks go. And he only ever asks cab drivers (laughs) about the ducks. Like he never seeks out like a wildlife specialist or something. He's always like the cab drivers who spend all their time in the cars. They're going to know about the ducks. Right. So this one, the, the cab driver really loses his cool. Rachel, do you want to do the dialogue or do we want to not do that? Yeah, do it now. We'll see if I edit it out. So he's on his way to Ernie's and the cab driver that he has is called Horwitz. And Holden says, hey, Horwitz, you ever pass by that lagoon in Central Park? And he says, yeah. And he's like, well, you know, do you know where the ducks go when they, when it's wintertime? Where do they where go? Where who goes? <laughs> it's got an exclamation point. It, it's emphasized the who. Where who uh, goes? The ducks. Do you know by any chance? I mean, does someone come around in a truck and take them away? How the hell should I know? How the hell should I know a stupid thing like that? Well, don't get sore about it. Who's sore? Nobody's sore. The fish don't go no place. They stay right where they are, the fish. Right in the goddamn lake. Well, the fish, that's different. The fish is different. I'm talking about the ducks. What's different about it? Nothing's different about it. It's tougher for the fish, the winter and all, than it is for the ducks, for Christ's sake. Use your head, for Christ's sake. All right, well, what do they do then, the fish and all, when that whole little lake's a solid block of ice, people skating on it and all? What the hell you mean, what do they do? They stay right where they are, for Christ's sake. They can't just ignore the ice. They can't just ignore it. Who's ignoring it? Nobody's ignoring it. They live right in the goddamn ice. It's their nature, for Christ's sake. They get frozen right in one position for the whole winter. Yeah, what do they eat then? I mean, if they're frozen solid, they can't swim around looking for food and all. Their bodies taking nutrition and all right through the goddamn seaweed and crap that's in the ice. They got their pores open the whole time. That's their nature, for Christ's sake. See what I mean? <laughs> and then he says, wouldn't you like to stop and have a drink with me somewhere? And Horowitz is like, shut the hell yeah, up. Yeah, no. <laughs> I've got to work no. right now. <laughs> yeah. I just love the idea of like all the taxi drivers getting together at the end of the night and being like, can you believe these assholes asking about these ducks in Central Park? Do <laughs> yeah. so you think two of them will be like, yeah, some kid with a bunch of gray hair. He kept asking me about these ducks. And then some other guy's like, oh, me too. One of them's like, I had the worst night. Someone threw up in the back. And he's like, well, let me tell you about my night. <laughs> yeah. Kid was asking about ducks when he should have asked about fish. <laughs> Oh, we forgot to say the way that the book is written is in a a very conversational style and Salinger frequently italicizes words or even just parts of words to let you know how people are saying the things they're saying. So when you heard us emphasizing things in that bit, 
that's because they were emphasized in the book. So he gets to Ernie's and he has this idea about performers. So Holden's whole thing is he thinks everybody is phony. And that goes for everybody from people that he interacts with on a daily basis to just strangers on the street to performers and actors. <laughs> His brother who's working in Hollywood even. Yeah, he's like, he's such a good writer. Yeah, he thinks he's selling out by working, like, working in the movies. So he hates movies. He hates people pretending to be things they're not, basically. And so there's this piano player at Ernie's, and people flock there to see this guy because he's so good. But Holden's mad because he's like, this guy's too good, and he knows he's too good. So at a certain level, you become so good that you become bad again. Right. <laughs> he's saying this guy's too conscious of how good he is, and also... All of the people here, like, they're not actually there because they think he's good. They're there because they've been told that he's good. Like, they're not actually appreciating the music. He says the guy played something that wasn't even that good and everyone just freaked out and they were all applauding. He feels the same way about actors. He says, like, Laurence Olivier is a good actor, but you can tell that he knows he's good, so it's hard to enjoy watching him. So he, every time performers come up, Holden kind of expounds on this theory. Hello, this is Theo, the producer. I'm interrupting this episode to say, if you like this podcast, tell your friends, parents, pets, and siblings to check it out. If you have a roommate with mossy teeth and a potato in his mouth, put your differences aside and listen to this podcast together. Another easy thing you can do is give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. Now back to the episode. I wonder what Holden is up to now. So he leaves Ernie's and he decides to walk all the way back to the hotel. I guess he's tired of asking cab drivers about ducks by this point. <laughs> yeah. And he's running out of money. Does it say where he's walking? Like what streets? <laughs> you want to retrace his route? He's probably way the hell uptown in some kind of weird old place <laughs> up in the Bronx no, it- or whatever. No. Take that out. We're live, Jackie. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say that we shouldn't have heard? She said something about New York that showed she didn't live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> Did she say it was in Canada or something? <laughs> Is that a thing people say in New York, Thea? <laughs> so far uptown, he's in Canada. Yeah, or so far downtown, he's in New Probably Jersey. Probably the second one's more likely than the first. <laughs> there are lots of people in New York. I bet someone has said that. It's not a thing um, New Yorkers say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's way the hell uptown. Yeah, yeah you're going to go express to 96th, and then from there, you're going to go up uh, on the one to Canada. <laughs> that was a New York joke that was... Probably about as good as my Yu-Gi-Oh joke. Wait, the first Yu-Gi-Oh joke or the second one? The one about polymerization or the other one? I think the second one because I actually managed to say it with some confidence. Confidence is all that matters. Didn't you say that earlier? 41 gorgeous blocks he walks and it's really, really cold. And he starts thinking about how someone stole his nice gloves when he was back at Pensy. And so he's thinking about this. And the funny part about him thinking about someone stealing his gloves is he thinks even if he found the guy who has the gloves, he probably wouldn't be able to confront him. Like he fantasizes about like socking him in the jaw and saying, give me my gloves back. But he doesn't like to think of himself as yellow, but he's yellow. All right. He's not going to kid himself. And I feel like. (laughs) Well, Holden says he's not sure if he's a coward or if he just doesn't care enough about his stuff to have a reaction. Kind of ambivalent about it. He also says he would rather push someone out a window or chop their head off with an axe than punch him in the jaw. (laughs) Jackie can relate. Both of those things are really effective and punching in the jaw might not be that effective. What is he saying though exactly? Yeah, I didn't get this last time either. (laughs) If someone stole his gloves and he knew they did, he wouldn't have a a confrontation with them. And partially it's because he just has such an aversion to punching someone. He's saying like, I hate the idea of punching someone so much. I'd rather just cut their head off or push them out a window. Yeah, he says you shouldn't be cowardly. If you're supposed to sock somebody in the jaw, you should do it. But I'm not good at it. So I'd rather just kill them that way. (laughs) And you don't have to kill them at all. (laughs) That's such a weird opinion to have. I don't see myself in that character. (laughs) So Theo, if someone stole your gloves and then they walked by wearing your gloves, what, what would you do this was another part that made me think of theo i yeah i'd probably just like text one of my friends about it can you believe it this guy stole my gloves (laughs) so you're even more of a coward than holden caulfield they would have to be very clearly my gloves if i were going to confront someone like they would have to be like you know i would have to have my name embroidered on them all over i feel like normally i just give the give people the benefit of the doubt i'd probably be like 
oh, they have the same gloves with the same holes in them. <laughs> Let's role play this, Theo. So I'm walking by. I have your gloves on. It's really cold. You're She's really your pissed. She's your roommate, that- and the gloves say Theo Chandler on the outside. All right. Hey, Theo, what's up? Hey, Jackie. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, have I noticed the gloves yes, already? Yes, she waved <laughs> at you. Oh, she waved at me. Oh. It says Theo yeah. Chandler. You got any plans tonight? Um. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down. You're going to have to start over, Jackie. Are those hey, my gloves? Oh. You already started over. Are those my gloves that you're wearing? No. Um, I'll have, yeah, I'll, I'll have a good day. <laughs> well, the thing is, you're Jackie. I would, if I saw you with my gloves, I'd be like, give them back or I'll tell Rachel. Okay, she's not Jackie. She's Brian. One of the Brians. Theo, this was your chance to say something funny. I can't just come up with something funny to say. Just be natural. Stop being such a phony. Well, I don't really have much of an opinion about the gloves, but I will say. I would rather punch someone than cut their head off. You'd yeah. rather punch someone than murder them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. Uh, even if your gloves had like yeah. Theo Chandler's Theo beep stitched all over them. You don't have to beep it the second time you <laughs> say it. Just say Theo. I mean, it's pretty easy to find my last name just from the Facebook group anyway. <laughs> Never mind. Just cut that part out. So there's all these different parts of the book where people borrow each other's clothes or steal each other's clothes or something like that. So I thought we could tell some stories about people borrowing or stealing other people's clothes. Should we wait till the ding, ding, ding and do that, Jackie? Oh, wait. There it is. <laughs> Well, one time I wore my cousin's shirt. Oh, Joseph was mad about that. <laughs> when you took all the photos in his shirt. <laughs> Wait, can you tell that story? Because that's really funny. It is a good story. Start from the beginning. I think it was like a, it was like you had to be there kind of No, thing. we weren't there and we think it's funny. Oh, I think it was like you had to experience it. No, we didn't experience it. We didn't experience it. it. We definitely <laughs> didn't experience it. All right. Well, one time I was at my cousin Joseph's house. We also have a podcast. Check it out. <laughs> Do you? So one time I was at my cousin Joseph's house and, you know, for various reasons, his family <laughs> left and then my parents are going to come pick me up the day after. Uh, so I was just going to stay in their house alone after they left. And before I left, Joseph said, well, he, he took me aside and he took me over to see some of his shirts. And he said, you see these shirts, Theo? Do not touch these shirts. Don't even look at them. Don't think about touching these shirts. Was there some backstory to this? Like, had you ruined a lot of Joseph's shirts when you were kids or something? Uh, Joseph just says a lot of random crap all the time. (laughs) So listen to their podcast. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty funny. Yeah, you should check it out. It's called Inside the Mind of a Child Genius. Um, Yeah, so then they left and I thought, you know what? Mm -hmm. Joseph's wishes who cares? So I took all of his shirts and I took pictures of myself with them, you know, modeling the shirts. And then I posted an album on Facebook um, of me in all the shirts. Wasn't it called like My New Shirts? <laughs> yeah, it was called yeah. My New Shirts. Yeah, that's true. That was the funny part, I guess. Is that, is that, that, yeah, it sort of just looked like I took all of them. And some people really liked my new look. It was definitely better than my look that I normally had because, you know, they're n- nicer shirts. <laughs> yeah, because your normal look, uh, I remember one time Theo and I were kind of on a walk or something. I think there was like a trail behind my house. He came to visit and we were like, let's go walk on this trail. And we had to pass over this little creek. And I look in the creek and there's this like bedraggled old dirty t-shirt just lying in the, in the mud at the bottom of the creek. And I was like, oh, look, it's a t-shirt. And Theo said... It's not just a t-shirt. It's soon to be my (laughs) t-shirt. So compared to that, yeah, Joseph's shirts probably were a lot better. (laughs) And here's the big reveal. I'm about to unzip my coat. (laughs) No, it's not that t-shirt. Wouldn't that have been really good? (laughs) It's Joseph. Yeah, (laughs) It's Joseph himself. (laughs) Um, He takes off his mask and he's like, I'm Joseph. (laughs) That's why I sell all the random crap all the time. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, if you've been wondering why I said all that random crap this episode. That's why I tell this story, because I'm still mad at Theo. (laughs) He's going to write a Jurassic Park story where Theo gets mauled to death and he says, like, who's wearing a shirt now? Which, (laughs) when we decided, was okay. I think our listeners decided it was okay that I did that. (laughs) I'm pretty sure someone said they agreed with Jackie. Did someone say they agreed with you? They did. Yeah, someone publicly commented and said I'm right. (laughs) Oh, no. He has to take it back now. Um, Oh, I had one story about the shirts, too, which Becca, when she was in high school, one of my younger sisters, she had a very distinct tank top that she had gotten in Hawaii. 
she was on the cross country team and um she had changed out of the tank top into whatever their team gear was it's kind of doing her thing and she gets back and her tank top is gone and she goes around she's asking everyone like hey does anyone know where my tank top is does anyone know she has no idea what happens she goes to school later that week i think and there's this little chubby boy whose name is little g and he's wearing her tank top and becca's like (laughs) she's like very skinny so but this like little chubby boy is wearing her distinctive tank top that you can only get in hawaii and she sees him and she goes little g that's my shirt and he like looks at her he has a panicked expression and he literally runs into the woods and he doesn't come back and some say he's still out there <laughs> one of her friends told the vice principal and just said like hey little g stole becca's tank top and he's wearing it and the vice principal's like i'll take care of this and a couple of days later she gives becca the tank top back but we never saw little g again <laughs> that vice principal we don't know what she did to little g isn't that weird? If you're going to steal someone's shirt, don't wear it to school like the next day. So did the shirt, did the tank top fit little G at all? It was stretched out. How did he get it? Was he on the team? I have to ask her. I don't know if he was on the team or if like, because they put all their stuff close to the school and then the cross country team, you know, it's like a three mile track and they run through the woods. So he might have just come by while they were running through the woods and saw this tank top and was like, hmm, and took it. (laughs) A prize for little G. (laughs) (laughs) Can that be the name of this episode? A prize for little G. Yeah, sure. Right, Theo? (laughs) It's going to be called The Catcher in the Rye, colon, a prize for little G. So one more one more thing happens before I want to turn it over to Rachel. Um, so this is one of the one of the most famous, one of the most important scenes in the book. So after he is done uh, walking his forty one gorgeous blocks back to his hotel, mm-hmm. he's in the elevator going up to his room, and he's in there with this uh, burly kind of guy named Maurice, the elevator operator. Uh, Maurice says to him, "Hey, you interested in having a good time?" Holden goes, "Me?" In italics. Very conversational. And so Maurice offers him five bucks for a girl for a throw, he calls it, 15 bucks for the whole rest of the night. And Holden immediately says, okay. And then he didn't even think about it. He says he was feeling so depressed. But then the fact that he said, okay, he didn't feel like he could take it back. So he was like, well, I've already got this ball rolling. Can't do anything about it now. Yes. He immediately, after agreeing that he wanted to hire an escort, immediately is like oh no i don't want to no time has elapsed he's still on the elevator maurice hasn't said anything to anyone he could easily just be like oh never mind oh well that's tough rachel like you're in an (laughs) elevator with the guy what are you gonna say never mind and then just face the other way Yeah, just say oh sorry i wasn't really paying attention (laughs) which is true he wasn't really paying attention to the question also wait what when you all encounter an elevator operator these days what do you think I think they're a ghost. <laughs> I think it's a good job if you can get it. Yeah, wouldn't that be amazing? I would love that job. You just get to sit there and like think about Pokemon the whole time. <laughs> Maurice clearly had a side hustle, so maybe it wasn't enough. Yeah. Mm. I think it would be awkward. What if the elevator was really slow? What if Holden's room was really up high and he had just be like, never mind. I might enjoy myself. Also, my hair's long enough. I could probably put in some earbuds and no one would know. And then I would just like listen to audiobooks all day. I guess for us, we could have our side hustle and we're just promoting the podcast the whole time. Just say, oh, have you? <laughs> I actually thought about that today. I took a ride share somewhere to pick up my car. And this is the first time I've, I've been in a ride share in over a year. And I just thought, oh, you should have said, hey, can, do you mind if I put something on? And just put on the podcast. Yeah. It was like a 10 minute ride. And then I thought about what if I were, you know, a Lyft driver or whatever. Maybe I could just do that and make some extra money. And then I'll, I'll also play the podcast all the time. And they'll be like, what is this? Just play the, the intro episode, like the little teaser over yeah. and over yeah. and over. Ugh. I would go mad. <laughs> like, what if I'm driving someone for an hour and it's just like, hey, Theo. Hey, Jackie. Hey, Rachel. Hey, I've got a great idea for a podcast. Uh, my calendar's a little full. But... <laughs> Why are you guys mocking yourselves <laughs> i don't really because no one else uh, will do it i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> okay so anyway um he accidentally says yes to this uh hiring an escort and uh he reveals that he's a virgin although he like tried to hit on that older woman earlier he always talks about like yeah you know getting with girls and dancing with girls and necking with girls but turns out he's um he's a virgin and he explains the reason why he's a virgin is because whenever he's making out with a girl and she says 
oh, stop. He's like, well, I always stop. (laughs) (laughs) This is his theory of consent. So he says, most guys don't stop. The trouble with me is I do. He says, you never really know what they actually want. So I just assume that they're telling the truth and I stop. But that's good. He acts like it's a bad thing, but it's actually a good thing, audience. I don't know if that's actually the reason or if that's just the reason he's telling himself. The thing that he says, if it's correct, I mean, the statement is a good way to live your life. He also says sometimes he's gotten, like, close with a girl when he's, like, on a double date in the backseat of a car. But he says the trouble with that is the girl in the front seat always turns around and looks at him. And I'm imagining this, like, with that dramatic chipmunk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I can't blame him. That would be weird. Well, not – it would be weird even if she never turned back to look at you. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, he is doing a weird thing, you know, right? (laughs) It was apparently very common because his roommate talks about, like, having sex with girls in cars while there are other, like, while there's another couple in the car. It's the 50s. The cars are pretty big. Well, there's no curtains or anything. I feel like that's the problem. There's no airbags. There's no (laughs) seatbelts. The reason people aren't having sex in cars with their friends on double dates isn't because our cars are small, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) So he's sitting there thinking about why he's still a virgin, and at this point, the escort comes up, and her name is Sunny. She is a girl about his age, and she's kind of unfortunate because, I mean, she's 16 and sex work is valid work but for her I'm thinking it probably wasn't something that she was super excited to do certainly not something minors should do (laughs) we can just say that (laughs) certainly not something minors should do especially under duress (laughs) so she comes in and you know she kind of just starts the the process that she's used to doing and he's like hold on hold on hold on don't you want to just sit down and talk and she's like I'm not here to talk you woke me up I was sleeping you wanted to come here and do this so let's just do it and get it over with She's saying this and Holden says, well, you know, I just realized that I can't do it. And the reason why is because I just had this operation really recently. And she says, what kind of operation? And he said, oh, you know, I had an operation on my clavicord. So she goes, oh, that's tough. They talk about it. He says, you know what? I'm sorry. I'll pay you even though we didn't, you know, do the thing that I paid you to come here to do. And he gives her $5, just like Marie said, $5 for a throw. Kind of gross term. Sunny says, um, it's supposed to be 10. Holden says, sorry, Maurice told me five. That's all I can do. Did I miss anything about Sunny? Do we need to say something about how he says clavichord? <laughs> yeah, I thought you guys were going to react to clavichord that. Clavichord being an instrument, not a bone. You're the one who should have said yeah. something. You're the musician man. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's an instrument. Just a tip from your old musician man. We think he probably is thinking of a clavicle. Why would an operation on your clavicle make you unable to have sex? Well, no, he's not thinking of clavicle. He's just randomly picking a word that he can say. And he and she says, like, where's the clavichord? And he's like, uh, it's in my spine. Yeah. I think he is picking a word close to clavicle, but he's messing with it, right? Yeah, I think he just is flustered and he can't think, so he comes up with a word that he doesn't think she's going to know. Um, so she assumes it's a body part. Let's do a deep dive into his choice of the word clavichord. <laughs> um so Sonny's gone, and he just felt really miserable, and Holden starts thinking about his younger brother, Allie, so again, the one who wrote the poems on the baseball glove. He has this memory that he thinks about a lot, so it's when he and a friend were going to ride their bikes somewhere and shoot their BB guns at something like little kids in the 40s do, and Allie wanted to go, and Holden wouldn't let him, so... He feels really bad about that, and Allie has since died, so every once in a while when he gets really depressed, he starts talking out loud to Allie saying, go home, get your bike, come on, come with us. And he just kind of has this fantasy that he let Allie come with them, even though in real life he didn't. And he says that normally he did let his brother go with him. Like, almost every time he allowed him to hang out with the older kids. It's just like this one time that he didn't really sticks out in his mind and he feels terrible about it. And that's kind of a theme. I mean, he's overall just a really nice kind of caring, empathetic person, but anything at all that he does to upset someone, he takes it really hard. Yeah. After this, he hears a knock on the door and who should be there but old Sonny and old Maurice again. And you remember that he paid Sonny the $5 he thought he owed her. Turns out Maurice is there for the other five. So they're kind of fleecing him. Uh, Holden just refuses to give them an extra $5. Theo, how much was $5 worth in 1951 again? I mean, this is kind of a bigger deal than it sounds like to us. Calculating, calculating, calculating. <laughs> yeah, Theo, tell us. It was roughly $50. <laughs> yeah, Theo. <laughs> I'm the robot Theo. <laughs> oh, this is so exciting. Whenever we need the inflation rate calculated, we ask Theo. I'm so glad we finally brought Theo into the podcast. There was a lot of pressure early on from the network and the executives to do a lot of character work from the producer (laughs) (laughs) yeah he had paid sunny about 50 dollars already just to kind of sit there and be mad at him and um she wants another 50 
So they come back. Uh, he won't give him the money. And Sonny okay. takes it out of his wallet. And then he starts getting really mad and yelling at Maurice. Maurice punches him. He ends up kind of just laying there on the floor, getting punched, getting beat up. And he starts having this fantasy after they leave that he goes down and he's kind of got bravado, right? He's, he's imagining that Maurice shot him instead of punching him. He shoots Maurice in his fantasy. And then he comes back to his room and there's old Jane Gallagher, the girl that he is kind of holding a flame for. Holding a candle for? A torch? Burning a flame? What? I don't think it's burning a flame. Holding Carrying a, a torch. Carrying a torch. No, it has to be holding. That's the significance of his name, right? <laughs> no. The girl he's burning a candle for. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he imagines Jane Gallagher coming and taking care of him. Oh, I forgot to say when Sonny leaves his room the first time, she says, so long, crumbum. That's a great line. <laughs> So he has this fantasy of getting shot by Maurice and shooting him back and Jane taking care of him. Then he has another fantasy, which is him jumping out of the window. And he says that he would do that, except that he doesn't want a bunch of stupid rubberneckers looking at him. So that's the first time he considers suicide. But he doesn't want to do it because of how stupid everyone else is. If he knew someone would cover him up right away, he would do it. That's so funny. He just doesn't want people to see he considers killing himself, decides not to, and then... He considers suicide, he doesn't go through with it, and then he says, well, as an alternative to dying, why don't I call Sally Hayes for a date? Sally Hayes is a girl he used to go out with from time to time, but he kind of yeah. thinks she's not that smart, but he calls her up. A fate better than death. <laughs> That's slightly better than death, yeah. What would be even better than going on a date with Sally Hayes would be jumping out of the window and being immediately covered up. But that's not an option, unfortunately. <laughs> that's not an option. <laughs> Okay, I think that's a good place to stop. Um, who wants to start the sign-offs? Okay, and as one of our traditional sign-offs, we'd like to go ahead and thank our international listeners. So we are going to pick two countries at random. This week, we would like to thank our listeners in Mexico. Top exports, crude petroleum, gold, and refined petroleum. And South Korea. Top exports, integrated circuits, cars, processed petroleum oils. And as always, if you have anything you'd like to tell us, any questions, concerns, thoughts, jokes, arguments, um, anything of the sort, you can contact us on Facebook. We are a discussion group and a page for official announcements, and you'll find us at Fire the Cannon Podcast. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Fire the Cannon Pod. And if you'd like to support us, give us a little a tip or something more every month, then you can go to patreon.com slash fire the cannon. As a patron, you get access to exclusive content. We did an episode where we watched Wishbone's coverage of the Odyssey. Coverage? And <laughs> like he's a journalist? Yeah, why not? Reporting live from ancient yeah. Greece, it's Wishbone. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> right? No, it actually, um, it came out pretty good. So it's, it's a fun way to spend an afternoon. I mean, um, if your afternoon lasts 30 minutes. <laughs> we're really bad at this it's um if you only had an hour to live half of it would be spent pretty well watching put it on your bucket list <laughs> <laughs> well rachel wasn't here to record this outro so clearly it went totally off the rails but i hope you enjoyed it listeners um and now it's time to say our final farewell final oh uh of this episode <laughs> Our first and only and final farewell of this episode. <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one. So long. So long. Crumb bum. Go on, Theo. So long. <laughs>